talk about love. Just kidding. Sorry to get your hopes up. <laughs> We're going to talk about the opposite of love. Everybody says hate. It's not hate. What is it? Unkindness. What? Pride? Could be pride. I don't really know the answer to this. I'm just wondering. What do you think? Lack of God. That's a good answer. The Grinch is the opposite of love. Good. I like that one. No, we're not going to talk about any of that. All right. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Go ahead. Open your Bibles. If you don't have one, how dare you? Just kidding. If you don't have one, get one. If you want one, we probably have one here, and I'll give it to you. So come tell me if you don't have a Bible and you want one. Everybody should have a Bible. If you don't, that's okay. No, it's not. You should get one. Genesis 39. Is everybody there? No? We want to talk about Valentine's Day a little bit more? No? Everybody else has their own topics they want to talk about? Genesis 39, verse 1. This is a long story. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I don't read real quick, so bear with me for those who don't process real quick. I'm the person to read to you. Here we go. Genesis 39, 1. Now, Joseph, actually, you know what? I'm going to talk a little bit about where we're at. We're just in the middle here. Genesis 39. Okay, so Joseph, anybody know who Joseph is? Joseph, son of, <laughs> slowly, Jacob, Isaac, it's Jacob, son of Jacob, all right, he was, <laughs> I love it, Je- Jesus, answer is always Jesus, just, in some way, it's, it's Jesus, okay, so, Jacob, right, Jacob is, is, is the father, has 12 sons, one of them is Joseph, Joseph happens to be the favorite son. Anybody have a big family and have one that you know is the favorite and it's not you? (laughs) Oh, all these hands. Alex, aren't you an only child? (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) I guess I didn't need to point that out, but all right, cool. So he's, he's, he's the favorite to his parents, but the least favorite to his brothers. They all hate him, okay? They're mad. They're mad because... Well, he's, he's the loved one, right? They, their dad respects him more, likes him more. And so they already hate him. Well, Joseph decides to tell his brothers about this dream that he has. All right, so he has this dream that all of his brothers, even his father and mother, are bowing down before him. So he tells them this dream. Could be a little bit of pride in there. Look, I had this dream. All you guys were bowing down to me. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Story of my life. But they hated him even more, if you can imagine. Obviously, they hate him more because now he's rubbing it in their faces. Look, I'm not only the favorite, but one day all of you guys are going to bow down to me. So the brothers come up with this awesome plan that they are going to throw him in a pit. And they're going to sell him as a slave. And then they're going to take his robe back to his dad, covered in animal blood, and say... Look, he got eaten by an animal. He's dead. So they do that. They drop him off in this pit, and then they end up selling him 
as a slave to the Egyptians, okay? So then the Egyptians pick him up. This guy named Potiphar pays for him, buys him as a slave. And so now he's Potiphar's slave. And here we are, Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord had given, had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in, the eyes, in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household and the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in, in Joseph's care everything he had, with Joseph in charge He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Mm. It's awkward. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Straight to the point. Come on. She didn't say, Dang, you look good. She said, No, get in my bed. Hey, that's Bible. I'm just reading it. But he refused. He's a good man. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though, he, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. That's tough. Good man. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand, and ran out of the house naked. It doesn't say naked, but he could have been. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his, until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife had told him, saying, this is how, how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden 
put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that, all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. God, I ask that you would speak to us tonight. God, that you would use me to speak this word, God. And I thank you that you are speaking to each one of us and you are with us. Lord, we give you this night. We honor you. We glorify you in everything we do. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this story about Joseph. Joseph, he starts out probably a little prideful, a little arrogant, telling this story. Gets thrown in a pit. But then after that, he learns this thing called humility. He starts to humble himself, and he just serves. He's sold as a slave, so he, he basically has to serve. But he does the best that he can do. And in everything that he does, it, it's, it starts to prosper. God starts to give him favor. It says the Lord gives him favor in all that he does. So, so that means when he's out with all the animals, and they probably multiplied and doubled in like a day, all the vegetables grow real big and big old fruit and all this nice stuff. So he takes care of everything, and everything prospers. So because of that, he's, uh, Potiphar puts him above everything, puts him in charge of everything. He said, this guy, whatever he touches, prospers. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him in charge of my whole household. right? But then he runs into this problem, and he's accused of something he didn't even do. So he's thrown into prison, but, but when he's thrown in prison, he doesn't rebel. He doesn't have this bitterness. He doesn't have this hatred. I mean, I'm sure he felt some of these things. But he still continues to serve, and he continues to lay his life down. And he doesn't, he doesn't appeal it. He doesn't come to, the, come to Potiphar and say, look, I didn't do any of this, and try and plead his case and say why he, he didn't do any of this. But he just, he just puts up with it. He just serves. He continues to serve. And even in prison, he starts to prosper. Everything that the prison warden puts him in charge of everybody else. He's a prisoner, in charge of all the other prisoners. And then, if we, if we continue to read on, he starts interpreting dreams of these, of these prisoners. And so one of the prisoners finds out about him interpreting these dreams, and, and then he goes back to the king, who's Pharaoh, right? And, and Pharaoh starts having these dreams. And so this guy tells Pharaoh about, about Joseph, and that he interprets dreams. So he goes and he interprets uh, Pharaoh's dream, and then, and then because it was so accurate and so right on, he puts him in charge of the entire nation of Egypt, right? And puts him in front of everything, and, and he, the dream was about this famine that was about to happen. So he puts him, puts him in charge of all the food and storing everything so that when people would come for food, they would come to Joseph, right? And so Later down in this story, all of the brothers come to Joseph because they're running out of food. There's this famine going on. And they end up bowing before Joseph. So the whole dream and everything it had came true. But it was because he continued to humble himself. He continued to serve in every circumstance, no matter where he was. He was in jail, and he was still serving, and he was still being obedient, and he was still finding favor in God's eyes. Because he humbled himself. So we're talking about the promises of God, right? I think this is about the sixth week. And 
and the and and one promise that God promises us is humility. If we read in isn't promise us humility. But Matthew twenty three twelve says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So this is a promise from God. If we humble ourselves, we'll be exalted. Right? But if we exalt ourselves, we'll be humbled. So the promise goes both ways. It's not just if, if we do, if we just lay our lives down, we humble ourselves, God will bless us. But if we do the opposite, then we're going to be humbled. So Joseph sees both of these things. Right in the beginning, he exalts himself. He starts to tell everybody about this dream that he has. Probably some pride in there. And then he ends up getting, getting uh, humbled, right? The Bible says pride comes before the fall. Well, he literally took a fell as he fall as they kicked him into that pit. He fell in there, right? He was humbled and he was sold as a slave. But then he started to, to realize humility and he started to lay his life down. He started to serve and he started to see favor in God's eyes. And it says that's when God started to show favor over him was because he humbled himself, because he laid himself down, and he lived this life of, of humility, of not promoting himself, but letting God promote him. So basically, God's saying, we can either promote ourselves, but when we do that, we're going to end up falling, or we can allow God to, to promote us if we humble ourselves. That's a promise of God. That's something all of us need to hold on to, is we can either humble ourselves or we can be humbled. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might Lift you up in his time. Key, key phrase there is in his time. See, a, a lot of times, most I feel like most of the time, God's timing is not our timing. Right? We want things right away. We're in this fast-paced society. Everything's quick. Fast food, fast everything. Technology's quick. Facebook's quick. You seen those commercials? Did you get that on Facebook? And he's already posted on Facebook. You, see, you know what I'm talking about? The football guy like rolls his ankle and all that stuff. Everything's quick, right? We want everything quick. Well, our timing is not God's timing. And God's timing usually is a lot slower than, than our timing. And so for us, it's, it's easier when we, when we get a word from the Lord or we hear something from God or, or we find out what we're supposed to be, it's easy for us to just go after it and get it because that's what our society teaches us is that we build ourselves up and we make ourselves, we try and take ourselves to the top, right? You want to be the best at everything. You want to be the top dog. You want to be the CEO of a company, right? Everything is working your way up to be the top, to be the best. But in the kingdom, it's opposite, right? Jesus says the least will be the greatest, and the greatest will be the least, right? He tells us to be servants, the last will be first. The first will be last. Lay your life down. Right? We're, we're called to be servants, to be the least. 
And he tells us that so that God can promote us. But see, if we're trying to be the greatest, then we're trying to promote ourselves. We're trying to make ourselves be up at the top. If God tells you that you're supposed to be a pastor, and you go around telling everybody, look, God told me to be a pastor, so I'm going to start discipling you. All right? We're going to start hanging out, and I'm going to start giving you some wisdom. That's promoting yourself. That's not allowing God to promote you. That's taking the next step and just saying, I'm going to do this on my own. God told me I'm supposed to be a teacher, so I'm going to start teaching. You guys should listen. You just start teaching. That's promoting yourself. I know those are extreme examples, but there's a lot of examples in our life where we can either promote ourselves or not say anything and allow God to promote us. But it's easier when we hear what we're supposed to do to just go after it and start doing it. And start making ourselves known. And start telling people about us and ourselves. Right? But God is calling us to live a life of humility. Humility puts others before ourselves. It doesn't build ourselves up. We look in Philippians, Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your, relation, in, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's how we're called to live our lives. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. That's hard to do. But in each relationship, in all of our friendships, in all of when you get married, and all of the relationships that you have. Have that same mindset as Christ Jesus, right? Putting others before yourself and humbling yourself. God's calling us to a a life of humility. That means laying yourself down. Christ set that example from the very beginning. It was humble of him just to come to this earth being God. He came as a man. He came as the least. And he was God. He didn't have to do this. But he humbled himself and he came to this earth. And then he lives a whole life of humility. He's always supporting others. He's always building others up. He's always promoting his disciples. He's promoting God the Father. He always points to to the Father. Everything I do, I do because the Father did. He doesn't promote himself. He doesn't see himself as equal with God, even though he is. 
but he promotes the father. He doesn't give himself the promotion. He doesn't lift himself up. He doesn't say, hey, look, follow me. Well, he does say follow me. But he doesn't say, look how great I am. Right? He's always pointing to the father. He's always being humble in every action. It says, even to death and death on a cross. You know, Pilate came to him and asked him straight up if he was innocent. Are these accusations correct? See, Jesus was perfect in, in, in every way. He was completely sinless. And he knew the word pretty well because he's God and he wrote it. So he knows the whole Old Testament and everything that they're saying that, that he's going against. He knows all of it. He knows that it all points to him. He knows that in Isaiah, Isaiah is talking about Jesus. He knows all these things, and he could completely articulate the perfect excuse of how he's innocent or the perfect reasoning of how he's innocent so that he did not have to pay that price on the cross. He could have done that. He could have perfectly said and, and, and probably got everybody to believe what he was saying because he knew the word. But that wasn't the will of the Father. The Father's will was that he would die this death on the cross. That wasn't supposed to be his death, but it was a death for all sinners, which is all of us. And he would die that death on the cross for each one of us. Not because he deserved it, but so that we could be united with Christ in heaven. And it says because he did that, because he humbled himself on that cross and did not get off the cross... And he took the cup that the Father gave him to drink. And he paid that death and that penalty because of that. His name is above every other name. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Because he humbled himself, not because he promoted himself. This is an example for all of us in our lives. There's always times where we can prove how right we are. Anybody know that guy that always is right, that thinks he's always right, that convinces you all the time how right he is, and maybe he is right sometimes. Anybody like that guy? (laughs) That guy's annoying. But that guy is each one of us at times, to be honest with you. We all can be that guy where we try and be right. We prove our case until, until everybody believes it. I used to be this guy all the time. Still this guy sometimes. But my, my teachers used to always say he's going to be such a good lawyer because he's always proving his case even when he's wrong. And I would know I'm wrong, but I would keep proving my case until somebody believed me. See, humility doesn't prove that you're right. Humility is okay with being wrong. Humility doesn't have to promote itself and say, this is why I'm right. Humility just allows things to happen sometimes. Humility, and it's not, humility is not passive. It's not just this lazy passiveness that you just lay down and let everybody walk over you. I'm just being humble. Walk over me. 
Christ was not lazy. He was not passive. But he was the most humble man who's ever walked this earth. And he lays down that foundation for us to humble ourselves in those situations. There's always times where we can just, we, we tend to want to prove how right we are. You're going to have that in your relationships. When you get married, you're going to have that in your marriage. And if you are always the one to try and prove yourself that you are right and your wife or your husband is wrong, how well do you think your marriage is going to last? It's not. <laughs> it's not. Trust me. Men of marriage. There's times where you want to prove that you're right and that that other person is wrong. Not for Kaylee, though. But for Jonathan. Ouch. Right? There's those times where we want to prove and prove and stand on and say, I'm right in this. You're wrong in this, and I'm right. But humility takes that price and says, it doesn't matter to me. I'm not going to fight this. Humility is the opposite of pride. And pride is what tells us, you have to stand on this. You have to be right. You have to make your way up. You have to push others down in the process. But humility puts others above yourself. We need to be a church that is humble, that is allowing other people, not just allowing other people to be above us, but to promote them above us, to make others look good. You don't have to make yourself look bad, but to make others look better than you. Not going around saying how great you are and how God's made you to be this perfect person or to to lead this church or whatever it is, but, but humbling yourself and allowing God to be the one who promotes you. Even if you already know what God's made you to be, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is allow someone else to promote you or allow God to promote you. Because a lot of times it takes a long stinking time. And you wait. You could be like Joseph in jail, being like, this is not what you promised me. You said my brothers were going to bow down to me. I'm in jail. How is this going to happen? But he continued to humble himself. And God was the one who promoted him, not himself. It says God showed him favor in all that he did. Right? He was the best in prison, the best prisoner. And then he was put over the entire nation of Egypt because he continued to lay himself down and put others above him. We need to be that way where we see other people and we see the potential in them and we allow them to exceed us. We allow them to be better than us. We actually promote that they are better than us. Christ did that with his disciples. He wanted them to do greater things than him. He wanted to see them succeed and grow and be the best they could be. He laid his life down for his disciples so that they could be built up and so that God could be empowered. He didn't exalt himself. I know each one of us, in some ways, exalt ourselves and lift ourselves up and promote who we think we should be and tell everybody, look, this is what I'm supposed to be. You should promote me. You should make me a leader. You should make me the senior pastor. 
You should make me the worship leader. I'm made to do this. Okay, most people don't do that, but some do in a way, right? You, you, you play your instrument when you know somebody's going to hear it. I'm really good, you know. Start singing and make yourself a little, you know, promoting yourself in front of your pastor. Gabriel, look how good I can play this guitar. Right? I mean, we do things like this. Maybe not that exact example, but, but we put ourselves in places so that other people will see how good we are. But God wants us to live this life of humility where we lay ourselves down, we don't try to promote ourselves, and we allow God to be the promoter. When you do that, I guarantee you're not going to fall because you're in God's will. But no matter how great your gift is, if you use it in the wrong timing and you're promoting yourself and you're lifting yourself up, you will fall because you're, in pride. you're prideful. You have pride in your heart. And you're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to promote yourself. And you're not allowing God to promote you. But when we allow him to promote us, it's in the right time. That's where it says, in his time, he will promote us. Maybe that's the end of your life. But it's worth it. Can we have the worship team come back up? That's good. They're all in that corner. God is calling us to a life of humility. Not just a day of humility. Not just every once in a while you humble yourself. He's calling us to daily lay our lives down so that others can be built up. If you wonder if, if you're humble or if you have some pride in you, here's a question. Do you talk? <laughs> Do you talk? Then yes, you're prideful. No. Do you talk more than you listen? When you're having conversations with people, are you always the one talking? Or are you always talking about you and your life and what you're doing and what God's doing through you? Or are you continually listening to people and asking questions and seeing how they're doing? Humility counts others greater than themselves. Through action, not just saying, yeah, I think others are better than me. But through actually applying that and allowing other people to be better than you and showing and promoting other people and saying, look how great this guy is and look how, look how great Bryce's gift is. He has such a gift of evangelism. He led Brandon to Christ. No, I'm kidding. I go, Brandon. But see, that's, that's a life of building other people up and, and, and wanting to know people for them, not for your own benefit, not discipling someone so it looks good for you. How many disciples I got? Twelve, like Jesus. Right? Or is it just laying your life down? Is it just living your life and allowing God to use you and God to promote you and God to give you the wisdom that you need. The Bible says that, that wisdom comes after humility. God gives us wisdom when we humble ourselves. One thing I love that Gabriel said a long time ago was, was that humility is not a gift of the Spirit. 
Humility is something you have to do. You have to humble yourself. God gives us the rest. He gives us patience, which usually humility takes a long time. He gives us self-control. But humility is on us. We have to take that step and humble ourselves and admit where we're weak, admit, admit where we need work, and allow God to do a work with in us. And then allow him to do the work through us and not trying to promote it yourself. And not trying to prove how good you could be, but allowing God to be the one to promote you. Joseph allowed God to be the one to promote him, and it sustained him. When you don't allow God to promote you, it will not sustain you, and you will fall. Because because of pride. We gotta, we've got to humble ourselves daily. I have to humble myself daily. And that means being okay with, with being wrong. That means being okay with not winning every battle. That means being okay with losing at some times. Jesus was okay, more than okay. He wanted it to happen this way, that he died this painful death for crimes he never did. Being a completely innocent man, he died this death because he was okay with not proving his case and pleading his innocence. Are we okay with not proving our case and not promoting ourselves and not lifting ourselves up and allowing God in his timing to promote us and lift us up in a greater place than we can ever lift up ourselves. If everybody could stand up. Humility is something we all need in our lives. And I want this time showing you something maybe maybe you have pride in that you didn't know about. Maybe he's revealing something to you that you didn't see in your life that you do promote yourself. Look, it's not the end of the world. You can repent and you can come back to Christ and allow him to promote you. But you have to be the one to humble yourself and allow him to be the one to promote you. You have to lay your own life down and your own plans down so that God can promote you. We're going to worship God for a little bit. And I want you to think about those things. Are you promoting yourself in any area? Or are you allowing God to really promote you? Is there pride in your heart that you need to repent from? I know there is in mine. Father, I ask that you would just do a work in our hearts now. God, that you would reveal to us pride in our hearts, the times we don't humble ourselves. God, show us how to have humility. Show us the areas we need humility in. Do your work in our hearts, God. We praise you. We thank you, God.